Kenichiwa, Minisan. Welcome to Famicast 33, your Famicast for February 2014. I'm your host, Danny Bivens, and today I'm joined here by Mr. Ty Shugart. Yeah, it's party time! It is party time! Ty and I are drinking. Ty is at my studio. I'm always drinking, but <laughs> I'm not always at Danny's studio. Yeah, a.k.a. my apartment, because it's not literally a studio. And uh, then today, too, we have a special guest that hasn't been on for a long time, Mr. Matt Walker. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on, man? Ah, uh, nothing much. How you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. All right, good deal. You guys are drinking. What are you drinking right now? Uh, just some just some beer. We... Everything. <laughs> All right. We, we, we did have a couple of shots of uh, Fireball and uh, a shot of Jaeger. Uh, that's probably going to continue. So Yeah. Uh, Excellent. I, they are rare treasures in, rare treasures in Japan. <laughs> the Holy Grail. Exactly. Apparently, yeah, good deal. And, and actually, you know, I wanted I wanted to bring this up. This is this month. Well, th- I guess by the time this actually gets out to the public, this is going to be the third year anniversary of the Famicast. So, um, yeah, Famicast has been around for three years. Party Yahoo. time! Yahoo! Oh, PartyRockAnthem.mp3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this month's show we have you know it's kind of the regular stuff for you here. The new business news, and uh, we have a couple of different emails that we're going to kind of touch on too. Uh, later in the episode, too, you will hear a life in Japan uh, between myself and my friend Josh Pollock, which we recorded at a separate time, which uh, that'll be put in here later. Um, but for now, we're going to go ahead and move on to new business, and we'll be right back after the musical break. <laughs> All right, and I'll go ahead and kick us off with new business here. Um, I've been playing a relatively new game here on the 3DS, uh, Dragon Quest Monsters 2, Iru Toruka no Fushigina Fushigina Kagi, like Strange Mysterious Key, Dragon Quest Monsters 2, Iru, and Luka, Ruka, however you want to say it. Uh, their Mysterious Key, Strange Mysterious Key. Uh, it came out on the 3DS a couple of weeks ago here in Japan. Uh, it's, you know, a couple of years ago they had... Uh, a remake of the original one come out on 3DS as well. This is like a, originally a Game Boy Color game, and then it was ported to PlayStation eventually, like I think a couple years later. But, um, you know, I don't know. I was kind of excited about this game at first, honestly, because, you know, after playing Dragon Quest Seven last year, which is my first foray into any Dragon Quest game really ever. Really? Yeah. Wow. wow. You did not play dragon quest one i okay I, I did play dragon quest one like you know 15 years ago via an emulator so man you know all the all the the real ballers got their free <laughs> copy from nintendo power damn right uh, yeah I, dude i was like a tiny boy <laughs> so i i did not 
I, I was not a baller at the time. And oh. I, I don't know if I think it's Damn. still arguable if I still am now. I definitely not. Um, but I uh, was eight years old and I was already a baller. <laughs> Damn, Skippy, with your free copy of Dragon Quest. Yeah, dude. Heck yeah. The bargain of a lifetime right there. No kidding, man. Well, at any rate, I mean, like I said, last year was kind of my first real experience with any kind of Dragon Quest game with any, like, uh, you know, lengthy type of play. I mean, even with the first one, I only played for like a few hours or something, if even that. But, um, you know, last year I played like, I don't know, something like 25, almost 30 hours of Dragon Quest Seven, and, you know, didn't get to the job system <laughs> because Damn. it's just ridiculous of how that, how that game is. But, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed my time. I thought it was re- really fun. The story was really cool. And, you know, I was kind of looking forward to seeing what Square Enix would be doing with this next kind of dragon quest game on 3ds and you know uh, unfortunately you know when this comes down to it i'm I'm just kind of disappointed with how things went with this since with dragon quest monsters 2 and i guess the dragon quest monster series in general i mean it's just a real kind of like light-hearted type of thing and um you know it, it seems more focused towards like kids and stuff mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's kind of odd because Dragon Quest Seven featured uh, Furigana, which is like basically if there are kanji and stuff like that in the game, it, it basically shows like hiragana and stuff so that you, kids that don't know kanji and stuff can read it. But they and also Gaijin. And also, you know, people like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, what, is the, what the hell does that say? It's easy mode reading. It, it basically. And they don't have that in this new game, which I thought was kind of odd because i just figured they would just like you know recycle this engine but i mean it it seems like they do to an extent but not like fully Mm. and um i don't know kind of another weird quirk with this game too is like digital control as opposed to like analog even though you're controlling like the main character with like the you know this the circle pad like if you're just like pushing it just a tiny bit i mean they're like full-on sprinting and it's just kind of Mm weird <laughs> how about <clears throat> for direction then is there is there at least analog direction or is it is there only digital direction so you can go say up down left right and then diagonal you know i, I that's one thing i didn't really pay attention to okay. um so I, yeah i guess that's something i should have paid attention to but um another thing they too, do have as well and i haven't really found much of a use for it they have like a jump with like the b button which seems at this point pretty useless but um you know yeah. whatever that's interesting because in Dragon Quest X, uh, the the online one on Wii and Wii U and PC, there's also a jump in there, and there's absolutely no point to it. Absolutely really? no point. Maybe it's the same type of thing that is put it in to try to look cool. And you know, I don't know if it, I don't know about Dragon Quest X, but I know in this this particular version, like when he's jumping, he's doing like a Mario jump. His fist is in the air. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, but you're not breaking any blocks, so I don't understand that. Yeah. But you know. Honestly, I, I think it's it's even though I'm I'm not really too keen on the game, I think it's still like a pretty well put together game. And essentially, the point is that you're you. There's a lot of different monsters in the game. Obviously, these Troll Dragon Quest monsters that you're trying to catch and stuff and uh, raise and level up because you're not actually fighting with your human character. You're fighting with the monsters. And like, gotta Dragon catch Quest. them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because th- this originally came out on Game Boy Color in like 2001 or 2002. So, and this is the second one, so there's one before that as well. I think it came out like 99. So, I mean, it's, it is, yeah, very much a lot like Pokemon where you're catching monsters and using them to battle other monsters and stuff like that. And, but I think what, what kind of like makes this a little bit different too is, unless I'm just completely remembering this wrong, 
uh, you can actually like equip your monsters with like different like items and stuff, like kind of like armor and weapons and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you kind of got like that little bit of an aspect of the game, and um, yeah, so it's it's a little bit deeper than Pokemon, but it's still very childish. The story's very shallow. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I'm I'm just very bored with the game. <laughs> I, I, I'm just finding it like I'm finding it hard to try to find a desire to play this game. <laughs> mm. um, well, I have a question. Yeah. Do you have it? Do you find it very uh, grindy? Yeah, I, I would think so. And uh, Ty, I think I was talking to you earlier about this today, and you know, kind of you know the Dragon Quest whole model of things when you're like leveling up. It's always kind of like. You know, you gain experience in a battle, obviously, but it's yeah. like, oh, you gain two experience. Yeah, I seem to remember that from being eight years old and a baller. <laughs> <laughs> and a baller. And I don't know. After coming off of the last RPG I just played was Bravely Default, which is freaking amazing. And, you know, it's just like so much more tame and just not as, I don't know, expansive or anything as, as that is in, in that sense. And, um,. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of finding that a little bit, I don't know. It, it's just making it just not as, as fun of an experience as what I would was hoping out of this whole thing. But um, Matt, like, out of I know you've played Dragon Quest games before and stuff, but do you ever play any, like, the side Dragon Quest games before? Nah, I never played any of those. I think my wife has, and I've only really played, I played Dragon Quest 1, but... Not because I'm, I was unfortunately not as baller as Ty because <laughs> I, I had already had a subscription to Nintendo Power, so I didn't get a chance to take advantage of the promotion where they gave away Dragon Warrior. Oh, um, damn. But I did get, uh, let's see here, when did it come out now? A year or two ago? Uh, they, they brought out the, you know, Dragon Quest 25th anniversary collection. Oh. Where, right, which is uh, on the Wii. It was just a disc with ROMs for Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3. Right, and then, right. And then the super Famicom versions of those sure right? yeah, yeah um on there so i was like you know what i i, I almost i've never beaten dragon quest one so i want to do that so i went and did that and i beat dragon quest one and i played an ample amount of dragon quest 10 with my wife but because mm -hmm. she's actually got two different accounts <laughs> so she, <laughs> she like double fists the dragon quest 10 it's pretty awesome and it's her it's not you it's her no it's her it's all her man oh she, man she plays she plays on two we brought we had a tv in the uh in the bedroom, and we decided to bring that in the living room so she could basically play two games at once, two, oh two Dragon Quests at once. So that's pretty crazy. That's, but, that's quite a gal. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never played any of the uh, the side quest ones. I just know I know that this just came out, and then I know that they brought out a version of Dragon Quest Monsters on iOS recently, and I know that that's been selling really well for a paid app and for twenty eight bucks or whatever pretty high price it is for an iOS app. Right, right, and actually I know too because like one of my buddies he bought it. Uh, Dragon Quest Eight also came out on. I think iOS and Android, and right. he bought it, and he was showing me it. And it I mean, it looks great, <laughs> but I, it's like I don't know if I want to play that on my mobile phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just can't play stuff with with screen controls. But now that you mention it, actually, I think Dragon Quest Eight was the one that was paid, and then this hmm. latest version of Dragon Quest Monsters on iOS, I think, is free. It's free to play. So, oh, really? Wow. I think so. I think that's what it was. Okay. Well, um, I guess you know, back to the the 3DS version of Dragon Quest Monsters 2. Like I said, I mean, you know, I, I think visually it, it looks it looks pretty nice. I mean, there's a lot of like kind of interesting environments and stuff like throughout the game. Um, you know, like forests, deserts, mountains, snow, all that type of stuff. So I mean, I don't think it looks like terrible or anything like that in terms of like visuals. And I mean, aside from kind of the weird digital controls, it's not like terrible. And, and like I said, it just for me, 
especially after coming off Dragon Quest Seven and then just recently coming off of Bravely Default, it's just so... I don't know. I, I just was foolishly maybe expecting something a little bit deeper mm-hmm. than what this is, than uh, what it is. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate for me. <laughs> yeah. I guess you're going to have to hold off until they announce a new uh, numbered entry in the series, right? Yeah, and then hopefully I, then that'll match the lofty lofty <laughs> standards that Bravely Default has given us. Oh, God, exactly. I'm crossing my fingers for them to do something else with Dragon Quest, maybe announcement or something like that this year. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, aside from Dragon Quest Monsters, I've also been uh, playing a lot of uh, Assassin's Creed 4 on PlayStation 4. and um, Yeah, dude! Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Because I, I got that at launch, and like I had mentioned previously before, Matt had uh, kindly hooked me up with uh, getting a PS4. Um, I don't know. I mean, he probably wanted it, maybe, but maybe it was like, I, I don't know, you know, <laughs> whatever happened. But at any rate, I have a PS4, thanks to Matt, um, so that's great. And um, But no, Assassin's Creed 4 is great, and I, you know, I, I really love this series, and I, I think... Well, I'm, I'm definitely finding myself wanting to play this a hell of a lot more than Monster Hunter. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, than Dragon Quest. Um, you know, it's... And for me, too, I, like, I love open-world games, and I, I like this type of, you know, gameplay. And I think what really makes this a lot of fun, too, is, like, the the, the stuff, like, on the open seas, which is just incredible. It's It looks great. It's a ton of fun. And, you know, initially, I was kind of... I kind of thought, like, man, I don't know if I want to play this, because the main reason why I liked Assassin's Creed, because you're playing, like, these third-person, like, action stuff, you're going around killing people, and, you know, having a lot of fun doing that, but, you know, I I find myself just having a ton of fun, just, like, you know, you being my ship, destroying other ships, bases, and just totally just wreaking havoc on the open seas and it's just a lot of fun nice now when you do that when you're when you're sailing around and you're destroying stuff do you get like any items or anything like that oh yeah i mean you can basically you need items and stuff to uh upgrade your ship and stuff like that so if let's say for example you fight like an enemy ship and you go ahead and board it and you capture all their people or whatever you have you, you gain like loot essentially for that can help you upgrade your ship and stuff and uh you can, you know, some of it, like I said, can go to upgrade your ship. Some of it can go to up, basically, basically get you money and stuff. Cool. So, yo, you kill guys, you take their loot. <laughs> it's just on a much bigger scale, basically. Raping and pillaging. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. So, no, I, I'm really enjoying it. And I really, I think I'm, I'm not even that really that far into the game. But I think Johnny had talked about it on RFN. Um, quite a bit a couple of months ago maybe because i'm pretty sure he beat it but um no it's incredible and i'm I'm just playing it just little by little here so uh yeah hopefully maybe by next month i can have it beaten or something so we'll see good deal are you planning on getting anything else for the ps4 coming up um well you know between playstation plus and all the crap i've already bought i'm just kind of holding out because nice, nice, nice. around christmas vacation too matt i also got a, a vita and uh, I have, yeah, I have like, I don't know, eight games on that that I haven't played yet. <laughs> yeah, nice. So, yeah, and then tons of stuff on Nintendo stuff. It's just ridiculous. I have a ridiculous backlog. But anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah, that that's pretty much going to do it to me, do it for me. So we're going to go ahead and take another musical break here, and we're going to go ahead and move on.
right. And Matt is going to go ahead and kick us off with the next segment, next bit of new business here. All right, yeah. So lately I've been playing, I just picked up Strider this week. I learned, I, <laughs> I brought myself into the current generation being PS3 360 generation and realized that I could actually purchase games from my phone on, over PSN and then actually have it downloaded my PS3 while I'm away. So That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> I, yeah, it's the first time I had ever actually done that. And Yo, technology. <laughs> oh, my God, the future. It was incredible. So I just uh, I picked it up over the phone and then pressed, you know, down, put it in download queue, told, called my wife, told her to turn on the PS3, and then when I came home, I was ready to play Strider. It was great, man. Very cool. Nice, nice. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's a really cool game. It looks really good. Um, it's, it's got a great... Uh, art design i think and uh and it's it's this it's just this great you know twitch arcade gameplay so mm-hmm. you know that you get you get to run around and uh just you know chop shit into pieces with with your badass ninja sword um but i've only played like the first couple minutes of it i only played through to the first boss which i think is just like you know up basically the intro of the game is what i've played so far so mm-hmm. i'm just breaking the surface of that one but it's really cool i'm planning on spending most of my weekend uh playing it but then otherwise, I've just been lately been playing Monster Hunter again. I got myself back into Monster Hunter 4 after mm-hmm. taking a little bit of a hiatus. I had When the game came out back in September, uh, I easily put over 100 hours into it over the course of a couple weeks. God! Oh, man. <laughs> well, yeah, and so we had, we kind of, I had a, a break. We had a break. Uh, we had Silver Week over the course of, sept- uh, back in September. So, mm-hmm. Uh, that meant that I had a couple of days off. So just for those couple of days off, just all I was doing was playing Monster Hunter. And so that, and then whenever I got home from work, I just started playing Monster Hunter and then my friends would get online and I'd play with them. And that happened for a while. So eventually I'm just like, okay, you know what? I've, I've, uh, broken the, the Hunter rank cap and <laughs> now I'm just, I'm gonna, I need to be able to do other things. I need to be able to play other games and kind of, you know, pursue my hobbies and stuff. So uh, I, I stopped playing it for a while, but then recently I guess with the hype of Monster Hunter 4G being announced, um, what is it, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate in the West, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I was just so excited. and like, all right, I'm going to start playing again. And I did. And now I've been, you know, using my, my spare time, you know, looking at different lists of, okay, well, what, what uh, equipment haven't I gotten yet? And what equipment would be good for, you know, what I'm trying to do right now? And mm-hmm. so which, which monsters do I have to kill in order to get that stuff? And I've just been playing playing a ton again and i I think when we're done recording i'm probably gonna go back to it (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty crazy it's it's especially addictive when you start playing with friends because you know you're all kind of working towards the same goal taking down this monster and you kind of all know you know the rules and what to expect and you know who needs to do what uh Mm -hmm. so you don't even really need to communicate a whole lot in order to do it it's really cool have either you guys had much of a chance to play monster hunter before so I, I know I've talked about it previously on the podcast, but I mean, I, <laughs> so I remember whenever it first came out on 3DS, I, I downloaded the demo and I played it and then for whatever reason, cause I, I, I played the demo. I didn't really care for it, but I bought it on 3DS anyway okay. and I didn't care for it then either. And then I think it was the same with like the Wii U. I no, I think I just, cause I just wanted like the bundle with the game. So I bought it and I played for like an hour and I, I just didn't really care for it. And mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I've listened to different podcasts, and I understand that, you know, with Monster Hunter, it's it's one of those things where you got to play for uh, quite a long time before you kind of get used to the battle system and stuff like that. And, you know, I just didn't have the patience for something like that. And uh, Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. A lot of people, a lot of people hit that. And, and actually, me too. When I... When I first started trying to play Monster Hunter, it was back for P2G. I had a buddy who was like, dude, you got to play Monster Hunter. It's freaking awesome. And mm-hmm. he's like, and he and his buddy would just like get together and play P2G uh, just all the time. And so I bought, I had already had a PSP, so I picked it up because there's only like 20 bucks, you know, uh, once the, the cheap version came out. And I started playing it. And for me at the time, I was kind of in a different mindset. I was in the mindset that all action games had to be like Devil May Cry. So mm-hmm. I had to be able to, I, I had to be able to like, you know, do combos and stuff. But then really the skill of it being that when it, I, watching the enemies around me and when I see the enemies about to hit me to be able to use that kind of twitch response and, and evade, you know, mm-hmm. and I felt like there was that. And then the other thing was I was also in this mindset that, well, in Devil May Cry and games like that, it's like, what you want to do is you want to try to get the best grade you can in the in the stage by like using the least amount of potions and stuff. And so, you know, if in Devil May Cry, if I had to use a potion or something, I'd just let myself die and then restart from the beginning. But <laughs> these two things are very detrimental to trying to play Monster Hunter because Monster Hunter <laughs> is a completely different kind of action game. And yeah. it's it's there, it's definitely not the kind of game where you know you can just keep you know mashing attack buttons and until you you can see that an enemy's going to hit you, so that you're like, okay, I can cancel out of this animation and evade. That's not the way it works. The the animations are going to lock you into whatever you're doing. And so in Monster Hunter, the key to actually winning is knowing that okay, I have this heavy weapon, and when I do an attack, I'm going to start swinging a weapon, and I'm not going to be able to break out of that. So I have to watch the, the monster and know that, okay, is the monster going to be able to hit me uh, before I get done with this animation or not? And right. and it's actually really watching the monster and knowing when you are a, going to be able to get in a, a good hit and get out. It's really it's a really a matter of getting in and getting out, um, especially at first. And the other thing being that, you know, the – you're not going to get marked down for using potions and stuff. So when I, when I eventually learned these two things, uh, I was finally able to start enjoying it. Um, and with Monster Hunter 4, it took me a while. It just, it's such a complex game. It, it's interesting that you bring up the demo because I think that it makes perfect sense that you know you play the demo and you didn't get it. And I feel like it's kind of the same as Bravely Default in that the demo, it, 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 st- it introduces you to this game and just kind of throws you into this incredibly complex game. There are right. so many things about this game. Like, even with Monster Hunter 4, I've played, like, almost 200 hours of it now. And I, I there are still things that's like, oh, okay, you know, I realize that there's these items, and actually if I use them in this way, then it's going to make this fight with this monster a lot easier. Uh, I Luckily, I have some friends that have played, like, just thousands of hours of monster hunter so i can like ask them and be like god what what do you do for this monster and then they tell me and i'm like oh i didn't even think about that and then uh i do that and it's like oh yeah this is really cool this is like a great strategy i'm gonna have to remember this for later on mm-hmm. and uh I, I think the same thing happened with bravely default i remember a lot of people i remember looking at the gaff threads and a lot of people looked at the bravely default demos 
or had played the demo and they were like, yeah, you know, I just, it's it, it just too much. You know, they, they, yeah. they felt like it was, it was, you know, too hard and everything. And it's because the demo kind of throws you into this, this area all of a sudden that is pretty, you know, pretty strong for your characters, I think. Um, right. Yeah. But you know, when you play the game, it's a completely different thing, right? It's sure. It's awesome, right? Blade Default's awesome. And God, yeah. now I think Monster Hunter's really awesome too. I'm totally into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to uh, 4G coming out later this year. Yeah, and you know, I, I think par- part of me maybe not enjoying the game as much as what I could have is, you know, I, I did not, well, I'm talking like, you know, Tri-G and, you know, also, well, you know, Ultimate and Ultimate, you know, the 3DS and Wii U, and I, I didn't have anybody to play with, <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I think that probably could have definitely changed how much I enjoyed the game, because, you know, playing by yourself, it's a fucking grind, man, I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's almost like not even any fun. I mean, if you don't know what you're doing, really, it's just kind of, like, lame. <laughs> yeah, plus, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the game, you're walking around, and you're just trying to collect stuff, you know? At first, it's just like, okay, collect, like, ten of these, I don't know, like, pieces of grass or something. <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, yeah. but I'm playing Monster Hunter. I want to fucking hunt, hunt some monsters, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. want to hunt grass. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to say, to be said for instant gratification, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, seriously, that's it's really important. That's, you know, mm-hmm. especially in today's day and age, you know, you have to be able to hook the player right away. And if you don't, if you don't, if, if you're putting barriers in the way of them enjoying the game, then you're not doing yourself any favors, you know? People aren't right, going to come right. back to it. And it, it's just, uh, Monster Hunter is just lucky that, you know, it's kind of got this legacy and that people, there are enough people that understand that actually, yeah, it, it's a grind at first, but once you get, you know, if you have somebody, you got to have somebody, you know, to, to kind of usher you through it, that eventually you're like, yeah, that's freaking awesome. But and, without that, it's, it's, it's a pretty bad, tough grind. And even, I think even at four, they really don't give enough tutorial on, everything you could do in the game because there's just so much that you can do you know did you download like the uh zelda dlc or the mario dlc all that stuff yeah yeah yeah. they uh so the the mario and the zelda dlc uh were both offered as you had to go to Mm 7-eleven and kind of like remember with the animal crossing 7-eleven special dlc that's the way it works with monster hunter 2 you go in there and you hit the download button and then it scans and uh, what happens was there, there's a quest, there are quests. And so like one quest, uh, you have to fight these two monkeys that one monkey's got a, a, a mushroom that looks like a one up mushroom. One's got one that looks like a super keen, uh, super mushroom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if they eat those and they grow really big and that, that's the only <laughs> quest where that happens. So that's kind of cool. Um, but it came out, it's interesting. It came out at a time where, you know, if, if you bought the game right when it came out, then you were at just the right uh, hunter rank or so that 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 was going to be a little tough for you, um, un- unless you figured out that actually if you break the mushrooms before they get a chance to eat them, then it's not a big deal. But if they <laughs> grow, it can be. It was it was pretty hard at the time. But uh, you beat these monsters, and then you could get these materials to create uh, basically outfits for your cats. So the Mario and Luigi outfits for your cats. At the time, those were the strongest outfits, so it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then for the Zelda one, there's a couple different quests where you could, yeah, end up getting uh, and uh, basically a Link outfit for your character. Um, and then either a Master Sword and a uh, Hyrulean Shield or um, 
Oh crap! What's the uh, what's the bow? <laughs> the, I think I think there's the a bow. Sp- <laughs> the bow, the bow, the bow with the the arrow. Yeah, the bow. You know, the thing, the bow the in Zelda. Yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, and I think actually the Zelda one, um, the Zelda quest is now just available as DLC, regardless of whether you go to Seven Eleven or not. So that's pretty cool. Okay, because I th- I could have swore they had mentioned something about that on the Nintendo Direct last week. And first of all, I was confused, like, wait, what? This was Seven Eleven and right. something, but okay, I guess that makes more sense now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. It just last week. That's when they they made it so that yeah, you don't have to go to Seven Eleven for this now. Now you can just download it in general. Well, that's nice. Yeah. If you have the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you got the game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah, that's about it for me. Uh, can't think of anything else that I've played lately. Just been busy with work and stuff. Sure. Cool. Busy with work. Yeah. <laughs> Japan.text. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, like Matt said, that's going to go ahead and do it for him. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up new business here with Ty in just a couple of short minutes. is going to go ahead and wrap up new business for us okay so i've been playing the same games as i was last month more (laughs) or less but they've changed they become (laughs) different okay so as you may have heard i'm basically the xbox one guy on the famicast it it happened yes i have an xbox one a rare and exotic treasure (laughs) in japan seriously (laughs) yeah and um i also have a killer instinct fight sticks with an s i have more than (laughs) one more than one all right yeah well i mean this is just how much i love killer instinct right i mean that game has a certain legacy especially you know we're a nintendo site and, you know, Killer Instinct is a big deal. It's been, like, one of the most anticipated sequels of the last 17 years, which is exactly how long I waited. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was going to be, like, that old grandma that was waiting for, like, the next English Dragon Quest game to come out. <laughs> and then, like, you know, die before it happens. But, no, it happens. <laughs> I mean, you know, I had to wait until I was in my 30s or whatever. But, you know, I'm playing Killer Instinct 3, and I'm having a good time. Nice. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there are a couple people playing it in Japan. It was on the, the Final Ranbat stream last month, which was cool. Um, and there are a couple of Japanese people playing it. Like, I mean, maybe like single digits, but wow. they're, they're playing it. They're playing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Spinal came out. He's very cool. He's, he's very, fu- he's very fun. His redesign is very impressive. Like, you know, I, I said on Twitter, like maybe a couple months ago that like, you know, there's only so, so much you can do to redesign a skeleton, skeleton, but they totally did it. <laughs> Yeah, that reveal trailer for Spinal was pretty cool, though, man. When they showed the uh, kind of haunted house kind of background, they had that music playing. And then yeah, finally when they I, I mean, them... that. but, you know, 
that's several of stage. That was already something that existed. Okay. So, like, when they actually revealed Spinal, like, with his new stage and, like, all his moves and stuff, he's, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, like, straight up. Nice. As opposed to, the, like, the Harryhausen movie he used to be. You know, like, Jason and the Argonauts. That's that's who he was. He was, like, one of the stop-motion skeletons from that movie. Yeah. So what what, what are the differences, then, between what, what he is now and what he used to be? Because in the older KI games... uh I remember, God, I'm trying to think. I never used Spinal much. I always used Orchid, but, uh, like, I, I remember he used to, like, shoot skulls out of his shield, right? Yeah. I mean, okay. he still does that, and that's an, a very important part of what he does. Okay. So, like, the, the initial Killer Instinct characters they, they've they released so far, um, they they tend to fit into the, like, fighting game archetypes. You have, like, a, like an all-around Ryu kind of character. You have a keep-away character, you have a grappler kind of character, you got a rushdown kind of character. But then you have Spinal, so he's kind of like a... I would say he's the first really complicated character in Killer Instinct. Well, three. So he uses his skulls to um, basically sap the opponent's meter and steal it. And... He does that. He has a dive kick. He has um, some very character-specific things. He's the only character in the game with a teleport. He's okay. the only he's the only character in the game with like a straight-up run. Like you know, when you double tap with most characters, you get a, get just like a little dash. But Spinal can run all the way across the screen. Okay. So the other characters will just hop then, huh? Yeah. Okay. So Spinal runs. He drains meter. If you, like, uh, do his, like, Shadow Skull, like, he can drain the Instinct Meter, and, you know, that's getting into, like, a whole other can of worms right there. Nice. But, basically, Spinal does a whole bunch of stuff the rest of the characters can't do. So, he can throw out these fireballs, he can do these teleport mix-ups, and, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. He's, and he's been redesigned to very... To be basically straight up, you know, first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, you know, you best start believing in teleport mix-ups. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're in one. That should be, that's a great catchphrase, man. <laughs> yeah. My, my friend popped me on that one, and I did not stop laughing. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So, so um, Fulgore hasn't come out yet then, right? No, he's coming out uh, next month, during okay. March. Okay, and, and who's your favorite? Now that you've been able to play Spinal, then who's been your favorite character so far? Oh man, it might be Spinal or it might be Glacius. Like okay. I'm also a really big fan of the Glacius remake. Like he's a keepaway character, like Dalsim, and he's got dirty tricks. He's not strong up close, but he's really strong from far away. Like yeah. he has like, you know, unblockable moves at almost full screen. Damn. He yeah, uh, he's like. Jesus. <laughs> he he's more Dalsim than Dalsim, basically. <laughs> Damn. I'm trying to remember I remember Glacius so Glacius in the old games, he had moves where he would like punch down to the ground and then because he was like an ice dude, like he could like his arm would come out like somewhere late like somewhere else on the stage, right? Isn't that how it worked? Sort of. Like in the in the old games he, he was basically like the T one thousand. He would melt into <laughs> the floor. Right. 
And, like, he could move across the screen and puddle punch up. Right, do that uppercut, yeah. Yeah, so that was his thing. Like, he doesn't have the thing where he moves across the screen anymore. Okay. He basically has kind of, like, a clone that does that for him. Okay, okay. Yeah, and he's got, like, these, you know, like, these T-1000-esque, like, uh, ice picks that reach really far. So, yeah, he can jump and do that. He can do that from standing. Like... And he, he has, like, a fireball that forms above him and goes across the screen, like, at an angle. Oh, nice. So he he's, like, straight up designed to keep people away from him. Interesting. Okay. So, because it sounds like he could potentially be, like, a cross-up character, but maybe that's not the case then? Um, no, not so much. He doesn't have a move anymore where he goes to the other side okay. of the opponent. Okay. Like, he just keeps them out, period. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. Well, when he's in trouble, like, um, his instinct mode, which is basically available after he, like, takes a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Like, he gets armor that lets him absorb a hit, so he can start to, like, uh, dash in on people. Cool. And, like, like, threaten them more directly. But, you know, that's limited time, limited situations. Interesting. Okay, that's good. Otherwise, yeah. people probably be that probably make him pretty damn strong. If, if he was, he's the only character that can do that right then. Nobody else can absorb any hits and then like you know pull right. something like, off. Like every character has yeah. like uh, a unique uh, instinct ability that they get when they're um, low on life, basically. Okay. Like it, if you use it very quickly, you can do it like twice in one match. But basically, other than that, you know, once in a match. Okay, okay. So nobody has... So there's no, like, focus attacks, like, from Street Fighter Four, right? No. no okay. Nothing exactly like that, no. Okay. Like, um, you can use your instinct mode to, like, um, make, like, an unsafe move safe. Okay. So it's a little bit like um, like X-Factor in Marvel vs. Capcom. Okay. Just um, much more character-specific. Every character gets unique abilities, and it's definitely not as strong as X-Factor... In uh, Marvel versus Capcom. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Spinal has, like, this amazingly fun mishmash of abilities. He has, like, a dive kick. He has a run. He has a teleport. Um, And, yeah, he's fun to play. And he's actually very complicated. So, he, like, takes some time to learn. But, like, when when you start to get what he's about, he seems really powerful. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. I'm curious, I, I noticed that uh, there was an update today saying that uh, with Spinal, they had done something about the jail. Uh, can you explain what the, what the whole deal is with the jail? I'm, I'm oh, assuming... yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, what's up with so, that? So, uh, before they implemented anything to do something about, like, rage quitting was <laughs> was uh, a pretty big deal. Yeah. Like, uh, people would just quit out of matches when they were about to lose. And um, they tried to implement a jail system to fix that. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you rage quit, like, X amount of times, or if your quit rating was, you know, more than 15% of the time or whatever, you would be put into jail where you would only play against other people in jail. But, you know, they messed it up and basically put everyone in jail. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. <laughs> like, even if you never quit. Okay. So, apparently the newest update fixes that. Um, I've got a lot, a lot of time to play like this week, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, I just played straight up. I never quit and I got put in jail <laughs> and, oh, wow. you know, that's how it happens. I mean, they're, they're trying to curb rage quitting, 
And, you know, once they implemented it, even though it was broken, it seemed to work somehow. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, they're trying. Oh, uh, and... It's it's good. I'm really glad that they're doing that because actually, I'm another uh, news article went out today saying that apparently uh, there's going to be basically pay pay matches. You can put money on the line in street in the new Street Fighter game. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right? a service. Yeah. And so, I, I, one thing that I thought to myself was, I wonder what they're going to do for Rage Quitters, basically. Yeah. Know? Well, like, I mean, I feel like uh, Street Fighter Four and Marvel vs. Capcom when you played them online, like they've already solved that problem. Okay, like, nice. when you quit, you lose a lot of ranking points, period. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I don't know why Killer Instinct hasn't done that. Maybe there's some technical issue or some secret sauce that Capcom has not released. I don't know. Okay, but, interesting. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the Killer Instinct guys are trying anyway. Sounds like it. That's great. Yeah. That's really cool. I, and by the way, the netcode on Killer Instinct is amazing. Nice. Like, I can play people in America without, like, any major hiccups, and it's spectacular. Man, that's awesome. Good deal. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I recommend Killer Instinct if you, you know, have an Xbox One lying around. <laughs> Man, definitely. I know. I, I When the systems came out, you know, over over that whole period between E3 and when the systems came out, I was like, oh, man, PS4, PS4, PS4 is going to be hype, man. Yeah, then, I mean, like, the Xbox guys really shot themselves in the face. Right, they really <laughs> did. With, with their whole DRM policy. And, but like, the, they backtracked on it completely. Yeah. But, you know, I, I still feel like that, you know, that negative impression is still there. Right, but when when the systems came out, the week the systems came out, I looked at the release lists and I go... There's really nothing on PS4 that I want to play. And then yeah, I, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, the PS4 library is okay, but nothing, like, really stands out. Exactly. There's nothing, like, exclusive that you can't get on Xbox One, more or less. Right. You yeah. know? Right. But when, when they came out, I looked at it and I go, Xbox One, actually, I really want to play Killer Instinct. Like, really fucking wanted to play Killer Instinct. Yeah, and... I mean, that has been predetermined for me for years. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, you know, I'll pay what it takes to play Killer Instinct. Yeah, I was pretty psyched when they announced that. I was like, this is this is the rare property that they should have revived. I'm so glad they did. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then that and then Dead Rising 3 actually. Those those I looked at those two games and I go, these are two ga- the new the two next gen games that I want to play right now, you know. Not not Rise. <laughs> nah, yeah, it, not be, Rise. It, yeah, it looks cool. It looks cool. I, yeah, I I played it at TGS, believe it or not. And yeah. um, you know, I I I kind of enjoyed it, actually, believe it or not. Nice. I, I, I talked to, like, I think it was the producer of the game or something. He was there, here, nice. in Japan. Nice. For some reason. <laughs> so, you know, I was talking to him about the game and stuff. But, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, I kind of want to play that. But, you know, yeah, I definitely could see it. I mean, Xbox One does seem like it has kind of a bit of a stronger lineup when it comes to like original type of titles and stuff like that so. i mean it, it did at least the week it came out and even with rise right. like i i have a buddy who is a hardcore action game fan like he he plays all the brawlers and he knows his shit he's he's also an incredible fighting game player is insane mm-hmm. um and he was and he was actually saying you know he's like yeah i, I bought rise and i played it and it's like it was fun you know it's just it's like yeah it's it's not like incredibly deep or anything but yeah, sure it's, you know it's a fun it's a fun game and it was like all right well that's pretty cool you know yeah, and even, you know, from what I played at TGS, I mean, it was fun. I mean, like, I kind of got the feeling that it wasn't going to be, like, totally deep. But, I mean, you know, hey, I, that's not what I was looking for with that game when I was playing it. I was right. just looking, hey, I'm just going to, like, 
cut some people into pieces or something, and that's exactly. it. Yeah, it's you the know? showpiece, you know. It's the it's the showpiece. Good for them for getting it out for the launch of the system, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, for PS, and even with that in mind, even though there's still really nothing that I really want to play on PS4, uh, <laughs> I still, I, like, eventually I want a PS4. Like, sure. and I think it's just because, like, I'm so used to Japanese gaming, and, like, I'm so used <laughs> to playing my Metal Gear on my Sony systems, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, like, ideally, like, I would love to get a PS4 for, like, Ground Zeroes and play Ground Zeroes on that. Sure, sure, yeah, Ground yeah. Zeroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so aside from Killer Instinct, have, uh, have you been playing anything else lately then, Ty? Uh, yeah, uh, two other games. Like, I think I mentioned last month I was playing State of Decay, which is, um... Well, it's not Xbox One, though, right? No, it's, uh, 360 and <laughs> PS3. I was playing th- the 360 version, and, uh, it's incredibly addictive somehow. Okay, so it's kind of like a free-roving zombie game. It's basically if GTA was a zombie game. Okay. Yeah, so you scavenge for resources. You can go through houses and dig through all the cabinets and stuff. Uh, so it's like Shinmu. Yeah, but ex- <laughs> except like zombies are trying to murder you the whole time. Like just like Shinmu. Yeah, <laughs> zombie zombies will hear your noise. They'll come after you, um, and you have to um, keep maintaining your home base. And um, so you play through through the main game. And there's like a story, and you finish it. At one point, but you know, I I think the real the real meat of the game is uh, the DLC, which is State of Decay Breakdown, and you know it just gets rid of the story and has kind of a makes it even more sandboxy. Nice. If you, if that's a word, sandboxy. It yes. is now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, as you you can actually finish sandbox mode, you just repair an RV, and then go on to the next level where things get like uh, even harder with with each level. And um, there's an achievement I've been trying to get like it's the last achievement I have left, where you can uh, unlock all of the heroes and you do unlock each of the heroes by completing different arbitrary tasks like you know kill like a bunch of zombies with molotovs Light or all these candles with the matches or get well no it's okay. it, <laughs> not that not that it's okay. it's definitely related to zombie killing like okay headshot streaks and you know search so many houses and stuff so i only have one left and i've been working on it for like i don't know a week and a half where um you're supposed to like uh kill one of your own when they get infected mm, yeah and yeah. like i've just been like you know waiting for that to happen and <laughs> it doesn't happen or it takes forever apparently or i don't know maybe i need some better conditions or something because like uh the game actually continues progress like when you're not playing so like i've just been checking in every day to see if somebody has the zombie plague or whatever, so I can blast them on the dome and get the <laughs> and get the last achievement. But it hasn't been happening. Mm. But yeah, that game is really addictive. And like, even when you're done with every single thing in a game, except for that, it keeps making you play it so you can get that last thing. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So. Yeah, I heard those guys like um, 
just uh, re-signed another contract with Microsoft, so they're going to make a new one. Nice. Yeah. And, like, you play it, it seems like a really great game that was probably made on a shoestring budget. So, like, I want to see what the, these guys can do with a lot more resources. And, because, I mean, it's really fun, as is. And if they can make, like, a bigger world with a lot more interesting things in it and a lot more different kinds of missions. Like I am on for that, like day one. So that wraps it up for state of decay. Buy it now on steam and Xbox 360. <laughs> okay. And the, the last game I've been playing, you could probably figure it out. If you like Google, like MMORPG, like shameful and terrible <laughs> and bad. Oh, you've been playing maple story. All right. <laughs> Oh, it's I played a, that at TGS. It's <laughs> worse. Okay. You take Maple Story, you add anime boobs. <laughs> you have Scarlet Blade. So I, I started playing this with a friend on a whim. It's basically like World of Warcraft with like, you know, busty anime girls. Okay. And like you read the reviews for this game, it's a laugh riot. Like <laughs> it's like you know, generic MMO with, like, really shameful, you know, giant anime boobs. <laughs> you can pay to unclothe them. It's terrible. <laughs> Awful. Embarrassing. <laughs> Embarrassing. And most of all, shameful. And most of all, Ty's been playing it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been playing this together with a friend. <laughs> My username is Cool Mom, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a it's a generic MMO. There, a lot of there's a lot of jokes in the text, and yeah, it basically plays like WoW, whatever. Um, although I was actually legitimately impressed by like the pathfinding in the game, not the boobs. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you can get boobs anywhere on the internet. That's true. But man, incredible pathfinding technology. That's a rare find. Yeah. But I mean, this game has it. Yeah. You I mean, you you have to collect 10 bearer asses in some idiot shithole part of the world. You know, you click the quest, and you can just, you know, like, walk to that area, like, automatically. It will pathfind your way there. You don't have to tab out to figure out where it is. Or you don't even have to, like, read through the quest text to figure out where it is. You can just click it, and, like, your character can go to that point where you need to complete the quest. And it, your character will automatically walk or ride their, like, swag unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> to, <laughs> to that part of the world and you can complete your quest man you you know you really fell for it man you know the, you know the designers were like all right we have two missions there are two groups that we need to market to we need to market to people who are going to be obsessed with anime boobs and people who are going to be really impressed with good pathfinding if <laughs> yeah, we can dude. do that yeah then we're yeah. all set they have covered literally all the bases there man Good for good job. All man. of them, all two of them. <laughs> that's that's good. Good for them, man. They have clearly they have clearly fulfilled their goals. Good for so, them. So I mean, it's free to play. It's shameful. It's embarrassing. <laughs> 
the the reviews about how shameful and embarrassing it is are really funny. And yeah, you can try it out for a while. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I don't have to impress you. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I mean, World of Warcraft should implement that. I'm just saying. <laughs> Maybe they have already. I haven't played it for a while, but I don't know. I, was I don't my, think they have. I was watching one of my buddies play the other day. It doesn't seem like that was something that was there. So yeah, you know, just pathfinding your quest point—that's a good feature. Apparently, it's good enough to attract time in. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I started playing for the anime boobs and the uh, <laughs> and the Go. and the irony. The irony is a pretty big point. Okay. <laughs> Come for the boobs, but stay for the irony and the pathfinding abilities. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, man, it's free. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hey, man. You, you got nothing to lose there. Yeah. Good deal. Okay, so I guess that wraps it up for what I've been playing. Cool. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and take a quick musical break, and then we're going to go ahead and kick it into the news. So, the news. So, there's obviously some news going on here in Japan. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start out with some Media Create sales data here, first of all. And this is from the week of February 10th to February 16th here in Japan. And so, let's kind of just blow, the, blow through this kind of quickly. Uh, number one that week was Dragon Quest Monsters 2, which I previously talked about. Uh, went through 118,000 units, already up over 500,000 units here in Japan. Um, so yeah, still doing pretty strongly, even though it's a game for babies. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's uh, copyrighted to me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I think I said a game for girls. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's that. Uh, coming in at number two, actually, uh, this came out at I, I believe. Uh, February 14th, maybe, I think is when it came out here in Japan, Donkey Kong Country uh, Tropical Freeze, it's just Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze here in Japan, Um, it's kicked off at 35,000 units here in Japan, Um, and then number three on the list is a 3DS game, all about trains, and racing your trains, or whatever you do with them, you know, and stuff. Yeah, Uh, I love trains. Everybody loves trains. Uh, de Ico 3D. Um, I post my pro videos of that game with dubstep music on YouTube. <laughs> so uh, that that kind of had a strong uh, uh, launch here in Japan. At least it wasn't strong enough to be in the top five. Uh, Twenty-seven thousand units. Uh, Kirby Triple Deluxe also still doing pretty strong here in Japan as well. That's a good name for a hamburger. <laughs> Oh man, I could definitely go for a triple deluxe right I, now. Right? Yeah, you know, when it comes to hamburgers, I love triple deluxe. It's great. Um, but even for a video game with Kirby, it's still good enough to do 23,000 units here in Japan. And then uh, Yokai Watch, which is still 
sneaking its way into the top five again. I mean, this thing came out in July or June or something, and it's still Man. like I don't know. It's kind of found like a resurgence. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong with this, but they might have some kind of an anime or some kind of other tie-in that's kind of keeping this thing going here. But um, yeah, that that particular week it sold through twenty-two thousand units. It's up to four hundred twenty-two thousand units here in Japan. So uh, yeah, doing doing pretty good and i think i had read something that maybe they're thinking about bringing this over uh to the west and um yeah i mean i've mentioned this before on the podcast but i mean you know i, I played the demo back in the summertime it's a lot of fun i think it's 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 a cool game um so maybe yeah maybe you guys in the west will be able to experience this here pretty soon um i don't have a joke about that name <laughs> <laughs> unless i don't know you want to watch for something yeah oh, there you go. <laughs> watch out for your ghost or something you know um yeah in terms of hardware i mean uh 3ds still coming out on top uh this that particular week about forty thousand units uh right after that uh vita coming in at about eighteen thousand, and then ps3 10 and then wii u somehow uh, sneaking in there. Um, I guess totals here for lifetime to date for Wii U, uh, or I'm sorry, for 3DS, about a little over 15 million here in Japan. Uh, Wii U, about 1.6 million. So, you know, obviously not doing great, but not, well, yeah, not great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that, I guess. But at least this week, they've officially sold more Wii U's than Xbox 360 has sold in Japan. So they got that going for them. Oh, them. man, 360s. <laughs> My 360 broke, so I'm going to buy another one, I think. So, like, what you know, watch for that triple-digit number to uh, mm-hmm. go up by one next month. <laughs> yeah, so instead of 256 units, not 1,000. 256. Well, that's this week. Yeah. Maybe next, next month it's going to be, you know, I don't know, maybe 200 or something. So we'll see. Um, But um, anyway, you know, I got to work on those idol master achievements. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, last week uh, there was a Nintendo direct that happened worldwide and stuff. And I, I believe on connectivity, they had mentioned this particular fact, but they did not really talk about this on RFN. But, you know, X, which is the, uh, you know, sequel for Xenoblade uh, Chronicles on Wii, uh, coming out on Wii U, uh, on, at the Nintendo Direct, they actually said that this is going to be something that's going to be coming out here this year in 2014 here in Japan. Uh, you know, who knows if that's actually true or not, but I don't know. Are you guys, like, excited about this? Do you guys give a crap about this at all, or? Let's see. <laughs> What was that title again? <laughs> so, I think we might know where Ty stands on this. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, Matt, did you play Xenoblade at all? You know, I didn't. I really wanted to, and uh, I meant to pick it up, and then I just didn't. Um, you know, I know I know that game has its fans out there. And <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sure, sure they'll eat it up, but, sure. you know, I don't think yeah. you'll find them on this podcast so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, sure, maybe it's cool. I'm not because I didn't play Xenoblade. I don't have a really good fr- frame of reference either way. Uh, although I did watching the trailer, I was just I was saddened by the abysmal English that was in it. Uh, <laughs> th- and you know, it it does. It looks like the same old, same old kind of like you know anime story tropey crap that you know you just 
you've been seeing these days all around in, in different media in Japan. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll t- turn out to be awesome. But at least from what I've seen so far, and they, this is the first time really they've showed anything aside from just like a dude walking around some environments, right? right. So they actually showed some battle for the first time this time, right? Sure. But, and I mean, I think with maybe with the initial trailer, they showed a little bit of battle stuff. But I mean, it was just like a. It, it wasn't like anything specific. So I mean, this was like battles, and it's like you know, hey, you're the, you're this like humanoid character. Oh, I'm gonna jump into this mech and start tearing crap up and stuff like that. So I, you know, I think that was kind of cool just to show that like kind of dynamic. Um, just to show that that's something that's in the game. Because um, you know, I, I you know, honestly, I, I played the Japanese version back in 2011. I wrote up impressions about it at the time and. Then actually, I bought the game when it came out in the U.S. in 2012, right and I played it for like an hour, and then I quit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> not not because I like hated it or something. It's just you know, it's just it's just what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's man, that's Danny Bibbins' thing, man. Is, that's what he do. Exactly. That's what he do. That is Danny. Bibbins. Man, he buys games, he plays them for an hour, and then he quits. That is that's what exactly he do. Exactly true. Danny Bivens dot text. I did. I did almost the same exact thing with Skyward Sword. So, boom. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, did you? You've only played a couple hours of Skyward Sword. Yes, and I got it. Oh on man. Game, so oh, Danny. It's it's terrible. Yeah. Oh, man, Danny all boy. those all those yen flying away on little angel wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. On your on your excellent uh, teaching salary, I'm sure. Exactly. You have no idea. You make I'm so rich. Plenty of money for video games. So rich. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, speaking of things that won't cost you any of your teaching salary, uh, Nico Nico Video. There was an app that came out on 3ds here in Japan. It just uh, was unveiled at the Nintendo Direct here uh, that came out last week as well. It's free. Um, I did not try it out myself. I talked to Don a little bit about this, and I don't know if you guys might know a little bit about Nico Nico. I don't know about the listeners out there, though, but um, one thing that they kind of do that's kind of unique as opposed to, like, maybe YouTube or Ustream or any other of the other kind of, like, streaming video type of stuff is they always have, have it so where basically throughout the video that people can type comments and they show yeah. like across the video they, they go usually for, I think I believe it's from left to right and it's like this come across the video as it's playing like live or whatnot and personally I find it kind of annoying <laughs> so that's why I don't ever use it but right. I guess in the app it's like 3d so like the video the 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 comments that are coming coming across are coming across in 3d and stuff so yeah so i guess that's kind of cool if you're into that yeah i don't know I, I i was during that part of the nintendo direct i ended up like checking my twitter feed but it sounds like there was some kind of thing where actually there's street pass functionality involved too that's right that's right and i guess that if you okay i could be totally wrong i guess if you're like uploading your own videos or favoriting your stuff you can share it with other people maybe huh right it sounded to me somebody had explained it to me and yeah i could be completely wrong too but it sounded like it was something like if you have a video and like the more you street pass with people the more it will be like upvoted or something like that mm-hmm. so that it'll i guess it'll get more visibility and because of that so you have an interesting scenario where if you have a video that you want to promote 
you just walk around a whole crap ton and you know <laughs> if you if you street pass the whole bunch of people then i guess somehow it's going to get better visibility on the store or something oh man i can't wait to type long strings of w's all over that <laughs> <laughs> exactly and um an- another thing that came out of the nintendo direct capcom is actually working on the next entry in the ace attorney series yeah um, baby they I-, I believe that pretty much everybody that's involved with anything ace attorney up until this point is still involved in this next uh iteration uh they're really that, that's about all that was said so hey well we're talking about that aren't they re-releasing like the original first three yeah on 3ds yeah one two and three is coming out here in japan in uh uh april so we don't have too much longer to wait and um i, I i'm really thinking about picking it up because i've never really played all of those games so you haven't i suck at life so yeah no, i mean you need to get on that like right now <laughs> well i i could wait maybe till april Can no I? I, I can't okay <laughs> danny you're gonna have to stop everything you're doing and and just i mean right just right now just you know ty ty and i'll finish up the podcast okay. you go you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have to go download or I don't know. I, I guess download the uh, iOS app. Uh, yeah, I have it. I have them on iOS. This is this is yeah. the weird thing. I, I mean, have all oh, of man. these fucking things. They're like it's... you could even like go out to the store and buy them on DS, and mm-hmm. they have like English mode mm-hmm. on the DS releases. Well, yeah. I'm obviously behind the times. So. You are. <laughs> oh, Danny, 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 Danny. It, it's it's ridiculous. I know, I know. It's fine. I'll... I mean, I mean, like you know, the original Phoenix Wright trilogy is, I don't know, ballpark maybe the best game on DS. I mean, you just need to get in on that. Well. Shit in my open mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I, will I mean, maybe do this. I mean, yeah, maybe you could wait a little bit and get in on them on 3D. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, and I believe Anytime. I believe that the 3D versions are also gonna have English, right? Uh probably. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think I read that. Don't quote me on that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, in the meantime, did you beat uh, Ace Twenty Five on 3DS or no? Uh no, I have not gotten around to it. All right, well, both of you guys then can get around to beating Ace Twenty Five on 3DS. Japanese is hard. <laughs> <laughs> you can get well, well, sorry, you can get an English now, Ty, but you don't have an American 3DS. Yeah, I'm th- I'm so, thinking uh, about it. Yeah, I'm thinking about. It. I just have a Japanese one. You see, I, you can do what I did. I actually got a. Uh, I got. A spe- I specially bought a an American uh, Zelda 3DS just so I could play Link Between Worlds before it came out in Japan. As Ty can oh, look yeah. at my apart, he's in my place right now. I got okay, the kind of almost the opposite, Matt, because I bought my American 3DS in like August. So mm-hmm. I got that was the first time getting an XL for me, and I have a blue mm-hmm. 3ds XL, and I got it particularly because I was like, "Hey, I want to get you know Zelda when that comes out." Yeah. But around Christmas time, I was like, "Cause I just bought my Vita," and then the next day I went back to the electronics store, and I was like, "Hey, here's this Zelda 3ds. I'm yeah. gonna spend another oh, wow. two hundred dollars. Fuck money. Who cares?" Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Danny has a pretty impressive setup right here. I'm just gonna take a picture. We can. Yeah, so oh, man, on the podcast. right now, if you're taking a look at your screen, you're going to be taking a look at my setup from Ty's camera, and you're going to cry or laugh at me because everything's so cl- cramped together. Man, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, and that, it's that teaching impressive. salary is just baller, it's man. It's just like, you know, if you want to be a teacher in Japan, you're going to make so much fucking money, you can just buy all sorts of games. <laughs> you just kind of have to life. forget about your other bills and stuff, you know. Right. Whatever. Oh, right, right. So, uh, I mean, maybe. 
Okay, now you. I'm just gonna leave this to your imagination, but like my setup at home is just like you know, it's like all 360s <laughs> with like uh, an, an Xbox One in there, and yeah, maybe there's like a Wii U in the corner <laughs> with, with like a lot of dust on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> um. Anyway, let's yeah. go ahead and move on. I mean, yeah, like he's got <laughs> these portable systems in like all these different colors. Like, I just want to play with them. It is very true. I kind of want to play with them too, but I don't. He's got this orange Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. And you got a Virtual Boy recently, didn't you? No, no, no. I, I, I've had one for a long time. Uh, it's back in America. I got a sixty four DD. The DD. That's what it was. Yeah, he's Man. got this orange Baller. and black. 64 on top of, of a DD. And what game do you have in there? It looks like a pro wrestling game. It's WrestleMania 2000. Yeah, WrestleMania <laughs> oh, 2000, yeah. boy. WrestleMania 2K, <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. It's a great game. Um, and it's oh. basically completely in English, even though it's a Japanese version. Uh, Effort. <laughs> that, that is what you guys are going to have to do when you get done recording the podcast. The two guys are just going to have to play the hell out of WrestleMania 2K. <laughs> yeah, yo, I want to get into that live streaming. <laughs> Dude. Um, anyways, next up on our agenda, <laughs> so a Monster Hunter 3DS XL is going to be coming here to Japan on March 27th, uh, it's going to be about, it's going to be 18,952 yen, um, if you look at your screen you can probably see a picture of it right now, unless I'm lazy and didn't add it, uh, it's a gold and black one, it's based on the monster called Rajong, um, Matt, you probably know all about this guy, maybe? Oh, yeah, Rajan, of course, man. He's the gold uh, ape-looking dude, and he's pretty hard. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take he's your word hard. for it. Um, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty nice-looking 3DS unit coming out here uh, later in February. No, I'm sorry. Wow, March. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, another thing that was kind of uh, talked about at the Nintendo Direct, Persona Q, Shadow of the Labyrinth, uh, coming to 3DS on March 5th. Um, are you guys into Persona at all, or...? I really like the fighting game. Okay. <laughs> I I don't know anything about the characters or the story, but you know I really enjoy the fighting game. It's very good. Nice. I actually uh, I've never played any of the games. I have I have tons of friends that are like, dude, you have to play Persona. Those those RPGs are fucking amazing. Yeah. Like three and four. Me too. Yeah. So maybe one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. I I even I even thought about it myself too, but um, you know I'm. Oh, oh, I also have a lot of Persona figures I've gotten out of UFO catchers, if that counts. Of, oh, right of course that counts. Yeah, dude. And so you're, you're practically an expert, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the characters' names, but that's not important. No, 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 no. You got you got the capsule. I like the robot good. chick with the minigun. <laughs> She's my favorite character. Uh, Let's see, Danny, you're going to have to do what you do, man. And you're going to have to buy Persona 3 and 4. <laughs> Yeah. And you're going to have to and play him for an hour and then stop. Because that's what you do. Yeah, and then, and then I'll get Persona Q. I'll play it for like an hour. And I'll write some kind of impression on the website. And I'll be like, yeah, this is cool. I love it. And then I'll just quit playing it. Because that's Danny Bivens. what you do. That's what happens. It's just. Do what you do. There's no stop. I mean, you know. <laughs> so I guess uh, a couple more little bits here on our agenda. Uh, at the Nintendo Direct, a new Wii U bundle was also announced uh, featuring Wii Sports Club. And this comes with uh, Wii Sports Club bowling, tennis, and golf. And it also includes a Wii Remote Plus and a sensor bar, which I think somebody mentioned in our story on NWR. It's like, what? They didn't come with a sensor bar or any of this bullshit? And I was like, 
No, Wii U's do not come with like anything basically in Japan, except for maybe some other things like I got Monster Hunter with mine or whatever. But um, no, so I mean this is kind of like a special thing. It's going to be about uh, thirty thousand yen, so about three hundred bucks, uh, and that's starting late March. There's no specific date given on that. Uh, I think this is actually something that was announced for Europe. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, so that could be completely wrong. So you can laugh and you know point and laugh at me later if you would like. Uh, <laughs> so and last up, uh, something Nintendo just started that's going to be starting the week of this recording, which is going to be uh, probably a week starting a week after you actually hear this episode. Nintendo starting this uh, consecutive. Uh, we eShop sale, or I'm sorry, this eShop sale here in Japan uh, for three consecutive weekends. Uh, this is selling stuff on 3DS and Wii U. This is featuring stuff from the Donkey Kong series, Zelda, and Super Mario. Uh, so basically, uh, basically 20 to 30 percent off of sp- specific games. Uh, I think with Donkey Kong, it's Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D on 3DS. It's going to be like 20 percent off. Uh, Wind Waker HD is also 20% off. Mario Sticker Stars 30 or 20% off, and then like a handful of like virtual console games as well. Um, I'll probably put some kind of a link to that on this particular. If you look at your if you look at your phone right now or whatever, you can see some kind of a picture, and I'll put some kind of a link so you can see some of the details to that. But um, yeah, so that's kind of cool in Japan. It just kind of sucks because basically these are games that like everybody already has. <laughs> so you know what the hell. Yeah. But, um, I'll, uh, or my viewpoint, like, call me when they have 50% off, like, <laughs> Steam or Xbox Live or whatever service you actually like. Yeah, well, hey, that, that, that that's fair enough. <laughs> but, again, I mean, again, this is Nintendo, so it's like, this is, this is a pretty big step. I was kind of surprised to see this, because... What the fuck is the internet? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's really weird, because I first saw this on the Wii, um, I was on my Wii U, and I saw that this was a sale that was going to happen, and I tried clicking on the information, and it would not go anywhere. So I was like, what the fuck? I don't even know what the hell this sale is. So I had to, like, go on my computer and go to Nintendo's website to figure out what the hell this meant. So, yay, technology. <laughs> I mean... All right. We're making progress. <laughs> At least, though, this is one of the first times that they've actually, you know, I think, sold any any Nintendo titles at a, a decent enough discount. Because this time it's, what, 20% off, I think, yeah. something like that? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, and like I said, I mean, some of these are, like, pretty decent games and stuff. Especially, I was kind of surprised, I mean, with, uh, you know, some of these, uh, you know, retail games. So, some, some of the stuff's virtual console stuff as well. So, mm. I mean, it's on, like, 3DS and, and uh, Wii U. So, it's, like, you know, like... Three dollars and fifty cents instead of like five bucks or something for some of the stuff, and but sure. I mean that's cool. But I mean, you know, I own Mario World on my Wii U, and you know, I own like this and that on my Wii U or 3DS. Why the hell do I need this again? Or I can't buy this again because I already bought it. Because but... Nintendo. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. But anyway, so I guess that's going to go ahead and do us for the news. So next, what you guys will be hearing on the podcast, uh, we're going to go ahead and break into our next segment of Life in Japan. Um, so yeah, go ahead and get prepared for that. But the next time you hear Ty, Matt, and myself, we're going to go ahead and be covering some emails. So uh, yeah, we'll be back in just a couple of 
Welcome to this section of Life in Japan. Again, I'm Danny, and today I'm also joined by Mr. Josh Pollock, who you might have recalled from being on back in October, I believe. Is that right, Josh? Well, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it's nice to be back. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you're here in the uh, Saitama studio, my Saitama studio. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so today uh, I thought we'd talk about a topic that, uh, okay, you know, after you've been in Japan for so long, you can sometimes maybe get sick of some things that are <laughs> that are happening. Maybe you get tired of eating Japanese food. Maybe you get tired of just, I don't know, just the doldrums of your daily life well, or something. I agree. Absolutely. After you've been here, even for a year or two, all the stuff that seems so wonderful at first just becomes mundane and routine. And yeah, sometimes you just want a break. Yeah. And, you know, Saitama is not terrible. Well, uh, there's, there's a reason they call it Dasaitama. <laughs> Yeah, dasai is like the word for lame. <laughs> lame, ugly, unfashionable. Yeah. It's basically the New Jersey of Japan. Kind of. Yeah. So, you know, even though, yeah, we live in the armpit of Japan, more or less, I mean, you know, we're just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Tokyo, which mm-hmm. is obviously mm-hmm. full of tons and tons of cool stuff. And mm-hmm. um, Josh and I, we went to a special event, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but, you know, Tokyo is great because there's always just tons of really cool events and stuff like that going on all the time. Uh, really cool places to go. I mean, that kind of just goes without saying, I guess, with any big city. But, um, you know, maybe some of you out there have heard of a... There's a place in Tokyo. It's called Ropungi. And it's, you know, honestly, it was a place I avoided for a very long time because I have this image of, okay, sailors uh, getting in fights and clubs and yeah. stuff. Well, that is accurate. A lot of the... They would say, oh, it's so dangerous, it's so dangerous. And it, it's true, it might be the most dangerous place in Tokyo, but you have to put it in, you know, relative terms. That's like saying, um, you know, basically, well, Tokyo is safe. Let's put it that way. It's 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 not dangerous. It's ridiculous. It's like, it's like a country club. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not, the only dangerous thing is, you know, the threat of earthquakes and volcanoes and tsunamis. It's, you're not, you're not going to get, Shot by someone, let's put it that way. Typically, unless you're looking in the, all the wrong places. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I said, I haven't really been a, a frequent visitor of, like, Rapungi. I know Josh is, you know, he's been here a lot longer than me. Mm. So he's probably went there, like, you know, more. Like, what kind of stuff do you do when you... Uh, well, when I first came here many, many years back, it was one of the first things someone's like, Hey, man, it's Saturday night. Let's just go hang out in Rapungi. And basically that means if you go out, you're, you're pretty much out till morning because the trains stop running around midnight, which is really inconvenient because you basically have to wait till about five or six in the morning. And uh, there's a conspiracy theory that says the reason for that is that the taxi business <laughs> pays money to make the train stop. I don't know <laughs> if that's true. But, you know, I remember going out there the first time and just going to, you just go to a club all night and just drink all night. And it's it's basically like being in college. It's just like... It's like being in college at, that never ends. Yeah, that sounds pretty accurate, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, so it wasn't really basically until like December when I kind of went there for the first time in a very long time. And then I actually like, you know, kind of hung out there. Like I, I, met, I met a friend out there and 
you know, Josh is telling me about this place called Frijoles, which is a lot like, uh, oh, what the hell's the name Chipotle. of Chipotle. Yeah, it's basically... It, it is Chipotle with a different name. Like, exactly. It's a clone. So it's it's for people in Japan who can't get authentic Mexican food, it's kind of like dying and going to heaven. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, there you can find like Mexican restaurants and stuff in Tokyo, but I mean, this is like cheap and you're just like in and out and it's awesome. I mean... Well, Mexican restaurants in, in Japan are they're really crappy like the food's not very good and then it's it's like that old jewish joke the food is so terrible and the portions are so small <laughs> that's an old jewish joke yeah because because you know i mean not only is it bad but they only give you a little bit okay and even though it's bad you still want more because it's it's vaguely mexican yeah yeah so it's like here's your 30 dollar taco and you're like oh thanks <laughs> so so frijoles is actually decent if you're in Tokyo and you're looking for a big burrito, that's that's a decent place to go. Yeah, and actually there are several locations throughout mm-hmm. the town too, mm-hmm. which is nice. But um, one thing that also kind of drove me there as well, like around like the end of December and stuff, Josh was talking to me and he was saying something like, man, you know, it'd be cool to see the Super Bowl live this year. So, and yeah, I know that's definitely not a thing that, you know, you guys out there listening like, oh yeah, let's talk about some football. It's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about the game or anything because it was an awful oh, man, no. game. <laughs> it's so terrible. But that's, that's one of the sacrifices you make when you live in Japan is that you lose a lot of events that, you know, are such a big part of our life in America. I mean, even people that don't give a crap about football, everybody watches the Super Bowl and it kind of starts to wear on you every year that you think, oh, I'm missing the Super Bowl right now because, you know, it's a it's a Monday morning and I'm at work and everybody <laughs> at home is, you know, shoving pizza in their face and watching the game. And it's just one of those things that after a while I thought, man, I really wish I could experience it because I've been here so long and I haven't seen it live. You know, I guess you could watch a replay, you know, on YouTube later. But Yeah, it, it, it comes on TV typically like that Monday night or whatever. So it's not like you... You don't have to miss it. You can watch it. But every every football game or basketball game I've seen broadcast uh, in Japan is edited. They just basically play, play highlights with Japanese broadcasters speaking over them. Uh, I don't think it's entirely true. At least not my experience. No, but, you know, my hey. experience. But I don't. I don't watch a whole lot of Japanese television. So. Yeah. But especially like I like I like NBA. I always want to watch the playoffs and. Uh, you know, I remember being at a bar and saying, oh, man, it's got this game on. I was like, wait a minute, that game was from two days ago. You know? <laughs> and, and, again, they just play mostly the highlights. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I, Josh was talking to me about, like, man, that'd be cool to go. And so I went and checked out this uh, this sports bar in Roppongi, which is yeah, it's pretty cool because I, you know, being in Japan, there's really not a lot of places like that. Which, you know, we forgot to mention that Roppongi is notoriously known as a foreigner hangout. It's it's almost exclusively, you know, foreign interest, um, you know, bars and restaurants and clientele. So mm-hmm. it's kind of got a reputation for that. Yeah, indeed. And it used to have the reputation of, as Danny mentioned earlier, sailors, Navy guys on, on shore leave, getting in fights and, you know, uh, stuff like that. But and I made some friends from the Navy years back, and, you know, it was kind of cool because you go out and just drink all night with these Navy dudes. But there were too many fights and too many incidents, and last I heard, they're not allowed to go anymore. They're, oh. You know. And I don't know if you know anyone in the military, you basically, you pretty much have to do what you're told. 
That's it. <laughs> Makes sense. If they, if they say you can't go to Rapongi, then you pretty much can't go to Rapongi. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did a little bit of uh, searching on the internet, and I found this, this sports bar. It's called Tokyo Sports Cafe, sports Cafe and Bar or something like wow, that. Wow, what, what an apt <laughs> what, name for that place. What an original name. <laughs> yeah, Tokyo Sports Bar. Yeah, I mean... We did a Google search for Tokyo Sports Bar. And that's exactly what I found, literally. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I went there, I was talking to the owner who, it was interesting because he was Japanese, but he talked like he was like, I don't know, one of those Nigerian guys that are on the street that are like, hey, brother, won't you come to my club, man? You know, like that. Oh, that's another thing about Rapongi. There's a lot of um, Nigerian fellows who work for the clubs and their job is to drum up business from the passerbys. They're known as touts, T-O-U-T. Seriously? Mm-hmm. And that's what they do. And, and that's... In the last 10 years, it's gotten really out of hand with these guys basically just hassling you and, like, panhandling and saying, yo, man, you come to my club. We got the hottest girls, man. Come on. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's really gotten out of hand. Um, Dude, we – okay, Josh and I even saw, like, these signs that basically mm-hmm. said, yeah, uh, we have cameras around and you should not, like, bug people. Mm-hmm. But that is still exactly well, what Well, here's happened. the thing. Like I said earlier – Rapongi has a reputation of being dangerous and dirty and violent, and Japanese people like to blame any kind of crime on foreigners because <laughs> no Japanese person would ever commit a crime. And um, and so it really does have this reputation, but within the last few years, the government has cracked down because when they were making the bid for the Olympics, they wanted to present this beautiful sparkling city so they just basically went and rounded up all the foreigners and anyone who was on an illegal visa got shipped home and so so they've really they really cracked down and it worked because tokyo got the olympics mm-hmm. yeah despite all the earthquakes and nuclear radiation <laughs> well that's like good for your health or something right yeah, can't hurt um so yeah so for basically for 50 bucks a person which is Obviously, hearing that probably living in America or something, you're like, Jesus, that's expensive. But it, you is, get, it is. It is kind of expensive. But you get all you can drink, and then you get, like, you know, there's they had like, a course of food that you can just pick out and stuff during the... All you could drink at the at a football game? What could go wrong? <laughs> so, yeah, so the night of the Super Bowl, or the day before, I stayed in Tokyo, and then uh, Josh came and met me beforehand, uh, before the game started, and... You know, you know, since it was in Japan, the game, the kickoff was like at 8.30. Yeah, so I, I took the day off of work and actually got up earlier than I would if I was going to work and took the train at like seven, six, seven in the morning <laughs> with all the businessmen commuting on their way to work. And I was sitting there and I I was on my way to the football game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know, for some reason I fell asleep for only like two hours that night because I'm fucking stupid. But... Now, so we get there, and, you know, we, we had our own, like, private little seat, kind of. Right, because we, we made a reservation. Yeah, and, um, no, it was a pretty, you know, groovy scene. I mean, it's just a bunch of, like, foreigners and stuff like that, particularly, like, American people, you know, friendly people, and I don't know. There was one guy there that was, uh... Oh, super fan? Yeah, this guy was ridiculous. Um, well, there was, um, there was this guy, and he was a Seahawks fan, and obviously he'd waited a long time to celebrate his team actually being good. And (laughs) he was just, he was the kind of guy who felt like he wasn't a real fan unless everybody within like a mile radius knew that he was the biggest fan in the world. 
mm-hmm. which meant that like every article of clothing and he was waving his flag and, and basically screaming every 20 seconds about what a huge fan he was. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of like what you'd expect to see in America at a mm-hmm. sports bar with some guy who was mm-hmm. drunk, but I don't even think this guy was even drinking. <laughs> no, I don't even think he was drinking. He was just, he, he just wanted to prove to everyone what a, what a big fan he was. Yeah, and, you know, even before the game started, there were problems. Yeah, we were early. We were we were some of the earliest people there. And this was before they even started serving drinks. There were probably like a dozen people in the bar. And it got pretty full. But at, at the time, there were about a dozen people in the bar. And I look over, and this guy, super fan, as they call him, and this other guy are just in each other's faces. And we, I will fucking end you, man. And, so, <laughs> and I was like, holy crap, the game hasn't even started. What I thought was even better, because the other guy had a Dan Marino jersey on. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. Don't think he's, yeah. I don't no. think he plays anymore. <laughs> Maybe not. So, yeah. So, this guy was just, you know, just your typical, like, idiot and meathead wanted to act out his aggression. Like, the kind of guy, like, you ever go to a concert and there's just some asshole who just thinks that, Oh, it's a concert. I can obviously just punch and swing my arms and punch people and go because I'm in a I'm in a mosh pit. I'm in a music video. Rah! And you're like, what a dumbass! I just want to enjoy this, you know, the concert. But that's that's this kind of guy. Yeah, and so you know, for me, you know, being in Japan for quite a long time and not actually going back to America for a couple of years, it's like part of this party was like things I love about America and then the things I absolutely hate, mm. mainly culminating in this one yeah, particular guy drunk, macho idiot you know morons and it's going to sound elitist to say this but I, i'll just put it out there <laughs> that it, it does take a certain level of intelligence and civility to live and thrive in japan as a foreigner you basically can't just be a dumb asshole all the time <laughs> you know most almost everyone i've ever met here is intelligent well-spoken uh, obeys the rules. Well, I mean, there are there are socially awkward weirdos, but <laughs> but you know, usually you, you don't just meet guys that are just out and out, you know, idiots. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, there were the military guys too, but yeah. but they're not they're not allowed in Republic. <laughs> so <laughs> so you know, you, it's just something you don't usually see. Yeah. Even even in a bar setting, even when people are drinking, you usually don't see that level of aggression. Right. And, you know, just I wanted just to say something. Too. This is not a slam on, like, any foreign people that are in Japan. Not, obviously, it's probably just a very select few that are just assholes that just kind of just ruin the reputation for everybody. But, you know. Oh, I've, I've been that guy. Not I mean, not like starting fights, but I've been, I've been the guy who's just, drunk as hell on the train and everybody's going to work and I'm singing, I'm proud to be an American because at least I know I'm free. Because that's another thing about Rapongi is I always, I always considered it a failure if, you know, if I didn't drink until the sun came up, you know, I was like, well, I'm out. May as well have a good time. And so, you know, if you, if you're like, well, it's three o'clock, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it a night. I'm just going to like wait till the first train and, Get a little sleep. Like, no, you got to party until it's time to go. And if you don't, you fail. Well, thankfully, this was this started in the morning, so we didn't have to worry about not catching a train home. Right, but it was pretty awesome to see people just starting to get really drunk at eight in the morning. Yeah, was, you got to respect that. Yeah, no, it was fun. And um, yeah, so I mean, aside from the asshole fan guy, and yeah. I think it'd be hilarious if you listen to this podcast. I kind of doubt it. <laughs> well, wherever he is, he knows who he is. <laughs> 
Yeah. I didn't catch his name. I tried to have as little to do with him as I could. And it was just, it was just one of those cringeworthy moments. Like through the entire game, this guy is, he's, he's sitting inches from this giant screen and just screaming. And going, yeah. Yeah. And if you're not aware, the Seahawks destroyed the Broncos. It was, it was just lopsided, horrible, boring game. Yeah. Every little thing that happened, this guy, this guy would react as if, you know, it was a life changing event. And, <laughs> and just, Everyone else in the bar was just like pretending he didn't exist, and just that awkward elephant in the room where everyone's just trying to have a good time and not not notice this guy. Yeah, but, but it was basically all we were looking at. Pretty much, it was awful. Oh, there were two other individuals that everyone was looking at. Were there? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I I noticed because. Like I said, the game was really boring. So I, I started looking around at the, at the people and like trying to scope out what kind of people would come to this game on a Monday morning. And I noticed these two, you know, kind of attractive Japanese girls, probably in their late 20s or so. And normally in any bar anywhere in Japan, you know, they're, they're completely average. You, you know, you'd see, okay, well, these are the kind of girls you would spot anywhere. But because this was a, a crowded sports bar, full of, you know, drunken, aggressive, mostly American uh, football <laughs> fans. These two girls were basically it. They were basically the only two, like, decent-looking girls. Oh, there were some fat white girls. But <laughs> the only decent-looking girls in the joint. So I was just more amused by the, the endless parade of dudes <laughs> hitting on these, these two chicks <laughs> than the actual game. Because I just kept watching out of the corner of my eye and just... Watching these guys, oh, hey, <laughs> girls like football. And, yeah. And, yeah. And it's like, what, I'm supposed to be excited because they're wearing a fucking backpack or exactly. something? I yeah, mean. yeah, it's just, yeah. And and, and the, you know why they they love the attention. And if they were looking for free drinks, they, they picked the wrong place because it was. Because <laughs> you got to pay to get in. You know, <laughs> but they just love all these dudes coming up. And I, I, I did see one particularly slick guy at least get a number from one of them mm -hmm. but i did see another guy go hey where are you going after this which would be about like what noon <laughs> she's like i'm going back to work but mm -hmm. but no i was just it's another thing you know anytime the ratio of guys to girls is so skewed it's just embarrassing to watch watch these guys fall all over themselves to be the one to hit on these two girls yeah I know, I know. For myself, I just wanted to, I wanted to try to enjoy the game, which definitely wasn't happening. So I just started drinking more. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, anyway, like I said, basically the the main point I kind of wanted to have with today's segment of life in Japan. I mean, there there are uh, tons of cool like events that you can do in Tokyo. Even well, I mean, just even saying Rapongi is a cool place to go sometimes. Uh, <laughs> That doesn't even scratch the surface. I mean, yeah. Tokyo is one of the top, I don't know, three, five cities in the world on the planet Earth. I mean, there's so much to do and so much to see. It's mind-boggling. But at the same time, it's smaller than you think because, you know, you will sometimes see the same people at places or there are only certain places that are considered, like, really cool. And so everybody's, like, on a typical Saturday night or Friday night, like ninety percent of Japan's population is in Shibuya. <laughs> it's just like it's so crowded. Yeah. But no, like the the opportunities there as far as 
restaurants is indescribable yeah. amount of choices. Um, events as far as movies, art, art exhibits, and you know concerts and things is is awesome, and that's why it's so great to live here in the crappy part of town because then we can just pay a lot less for rent. But I would never live further than an hour from Tokyo. I, I don't think I'd. It wouldn't be worth it to me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I live in Japan, but I'm stuck out in the mountains. No, that would not be worth it to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, I guess with that, uh, we can go ahead and close up this segment. Josh, thank you very much for joining me. It's my pleasure, as always. And we're going to have Josh back, you know, sometime in the future to talk about some uh, more stuff here in Japan. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this segment. And I also hope you enjoyed this segment. I mean,. I don't know. I feel like I bored all my friends and family to death. Hey, let me tell you about this one time in Japan. And it's like, yeah, we've heard that before. But if if you're listening and you want to hear anything specific, I can probably tell you because <laughs> I've I kind of been around the block a few times. <laughs> yeah, Josh has been here a long time. That's why that's why I wanted to have him on like these segments in particular. He's got a lot of experience with this stuff. So, yeah. So. Anyway, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get back to the regular part of the show. Thanks. Ooh, video games. <laughs> video games. So Neat. thanks for listening to this segment, and yeah, we'll catch Josh some other time. Yeah, see you later. So, emails. We are going to go ahead and actually continue with an email that we got last month. Um, we got one last month. Again, I'll go ahead and read it as again as well. This is from Voodoo. Uh, it's basically talking about Q&A testing in the West and in Japan. And I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it again. We all know the horror stories of video game Q&A testing in the West. Is it the same in Japan? And, you know, last month we kind of talked a little bit about it. But this month Matt is on here and... Matt actually has, hopefully, some interesting things to say uh, about this. So, Matt, uh, do you know any, basically, the type of Q&A conditions here in Japan, or if they're as maybe terrible as what they are in the West, or anything like that? You know, yeah, I mean, I, I've i never heard any, any stories like I've heard from the West, where, like, you know, in the West, you hear about how people get into QA, and... Everybody's treating them like shit, you know, because they're, they're supposed to be on the bottom of the uh, the totem pole or what have you, and mm-hmm. you know, they just they don't seem to really get the respect that they deserve. Because QA is fucking tough, man. Yeah. Let me tell you, QA is tough, and you gotta, and it's also droning as shit because when you're testing a game, you, you're basically trying. You have to do the same shit over and over, especially you know when you have a bug and you you're going to reproduce the bug, mm-hmm. you know. It's like you have to you have to do the same thing over and over. You have to write down the steps. You have to you know submit a dev, and then chances are there's some kind of uh, software that you have where you communicate with the dev back and forth, and and you have a, a record of that. And so the dev will say, okay, I fixed it, and then so they'll they'll go for regression checks, and they'll say, okay, so have have we fixed the bug? And so feedback QA QA will do it, and then nope, you guys didn't fix it. You know they'll have to <laughs> run through the same steps, and. Uh, it's you, you know you got to be really diligent to be good at QA and um, 
it's it's really critical because it's it's a part of the process that comes you know it comes at the end of game development right you know developers are trying to get games certified and get them out the door and you know they have a schedule they say that you know okay we our release date is supposed to be this day so right. you know ideally we're going to be at zbr zero bugs by you know this time and if they're not it's like oh shit we're gonna have to patch it um and that there's just there's so much management involved with that that you know you really gotta have good qa if, if you want everything to go smoothly oh yeah um, and then you have to like send that stuff to microsoft and sony and or nintendo and if they find something they don't like you know that's gonna set your development back like another yeah. month or whatever and you just want to shoot yourself in the face <laughs> because yep. it's and a living have... nightmare Yep. And yeah, I mean, in submitting to them, I mean, they have, they have very specific guidelines and standards that say, you know, what they call compliance guidelines that say, okay, you know, if, if the game, if there's this kind of bug in the game, if there's a bug in the game that's a, a progression blocker so that you can't, you get stuck somewhere, then they'll, they won't certify your game and you can't put your game out on time. Um, yeah. So, or like, I've heard like, even if your like initial loading screen is like a second too long or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There or are you don't have, like, 100% consistency in your menus. Yep, yep. There are compliance regulations where, you know, load screens, yeah, they, they can only be a certain number of seconds. Or uh, for for loading screens, for instance, I think most, from what I can recall anyways, I think most of the platform holders have specific rules that say that during a loading screen, you know, you have to have some kind of interactive content, something that, that it's not just a loading screen. That it's, you know, and that's why you get the tool tips all the time. Whenever you get, like, tips yeah. during the loading screens, that's because that's, like, a regulation. That's yeah. a rule that, that first party wants. Yeah, that's um, funny because I heard uh, Namco had a patent on minigames during loading screens. Yeah, yeah, they got that. So yeah. that's why nobody else nobody else does that. Huh. They're the only ones that have, I don't know if this – I haven't played a Namco game <laughs> in forever, but I wonder if they still do that. Yeah, I don't think they've done it since, like, Tekken 5. <laughs> oh, man, that was so great. What did they have in Tekken 5? They they had kind of like a little spaceship shooter kind of game. Oh, okay. Like yeah, some okay. Star yeah. Fox-esque. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was like 3D then. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I bet nice. if somebody challenged it, like, you know, they could get away with it, but... I just remember in Tekken 1, they had like Defender, right? Uh, I don't remember so well Tekken 1. Tekken 1 on PS1, I'm pretty sure it was Defender. But wow. anyways, getting back to QA, I mean, I, I've, I've never really heard any stories like that in Japan. Um, kind of what I've, what I've seen, what I've heard is, seems like QA over here is, you know, I mean, they're, they're just another part of the dev team. Um, well, they're, they're, they're another division a lot of times. Um, but, you know, they work on the game, and uh, they, they can also serve, I think, as a kind of different opinion on the game than the dev team. So if the dev team is, and say you're in a Japanese company and you're not going to focus test or something, I think they tend to have like tuning teams where the dev team can say, Hey, we're making this game and we want feedback from, you know, a neutral party. Can you guys give us feedback? And so then QA will actually do that. Um, But I I think from what I've heard anyways, it kind of seems like the dev team might still kind of find themselves. They might still feel that they're, you know, better than the QA guys or something because, hey, we're the actual developers. But uh, QA is definitely an important part of the process. No doubt about it. Okay, so I have a question. Uh, Wait, wasn't Defender a Midway game? 
Was that Midway? I, I, I just I remember there was like a space shooty game, uh, in the as a Tekken one. Yeah. Loading well, screen. Let's see. What did I, Namco I have? Was. Wait, di- didn't they have Galaga? Was it Galaga? Yeah, wasn't it? I think Maybe. I think that's a Namco game. Sure. <laughs> Galaga and Galaxian, yeah. Isn't that always in the like the Namco Museum games? Actually, you know what? I think it was Galaxian. I think Galaxian was the one yeah. that was the, the Tekken 1 loading screen. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Defender was a midway game. I'm pretty sure it was de- designed by Eugene Jarvis. All right. Yeah, a guy. A guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I mean, he made Cruising USA and yeah, um, you know every like fucking light gun game with uh, motion captured guys. Did he do? Oh, gr- did he do Cruising World? Yeah, he did. I mean, oh, yeah, God. and like, you know what? Oh man, I could go on about this, <laughs> but you know that, like Eugene Jarvis kind of spun off into another company. Like, you know, Midway did, like, Area 51 and Cruise in USA. Mm-hmm. And then there, there was, like, a, another company that was kind of like uh, the last gasp of American arcade games. That, and he just redid the exact same games <laughs> under a different name. Like, so, um, what? Target Terror, instead of Area 51, you shoot guys in ski masks. <laughs> and, uh, God, what? Okay, what was that movie? Fast and the Furious. Oh, God. Yeah, there was oh, an wow. arcade game based on that, and it came out, <laughs> like, either on the Wii or on the GameCube under a different name, but it played exactly the same as Cruise in the USA. And it came out on consoles under a different name. That sounds horrifying. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were they were, they were were a little weird. Like, Target Terror was an okay game. You could put in two coins for Justice Mode. <laughs> Justice Mode. Yeah, which is, of course, where you use both both guns at the same time. Hashtag YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> yes. YOLO, baby. Two guns. Okay. So there's your video game trivia for the day. I'm sorry to sidetrack you. <laughs> cool. Um, well, Voodoo, I hope this is helpful. I love you, Voodoo. <laughs> Shout outs. Ty loves you. I, I hope this is helpful to answering your question. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm really glad Matt came on here too because I, I really didn't have much more to say personally. I don't know about Ty. Ty yeah. has something to say every time. So yeah, I mean, I talked about it last month. I think I had some anecdotes about uh, Capcom and their um, how they handle their fighting game Q and A. Their ninjas or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry. You're just gonna have to tune into to the last month because I don't even remember anymore. I don't even know what's happening right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, speaking of that, we did get one other email uh, earlier this month, and I thought I'd go ahead and read that here. Wow, an email. Yeah. The future is here. The future is definitely here. So, this is from Mr. Tim Chatin. Chatin? Chatin. Chatin. Bonjour. (laughs) Bonjour. Anyways, love the Femicast. Question. I'm in the process of learning Japanese and have been listening to tons of Japanese gaming podcasts. Capcom runs a rather entertaining one, for example. Trying to listen to want, trying to listen and absorb as much Japanese as I can. Oddly enough, I can't find a single Nintendo-focused podcast from Japan. I found one from China, but nothing in Japan. Are there any good Japanese Nintendo podcasts out there that I'm missing out on and that might be found on iTunes, etc.? 
Um, so yeah, I, you know, before the podcast and stuff, I had actually already responded to Tim, uh, myself. And, um, so I, you know, I would kind of going kind of back and forth and stuff. And there's one podcast that Minoru had actually talked about back in the day, uh, that, and actually Minoru actually mentioned, he kind of chimed in on this, uh, email as well. And, uh, there's one Japanese podcast that I listen to from time to time. It's called, uh, Tokyo Game Jihang, and it's it's not necessarily Nintendo focused, but uh, you know I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna try to have all this stuff linked up like in the show notes and stuff like that. So if you guys wanna uh, check any of this stuff out, you definitely can. Um, yeah, but, but basically this podcast is kind of like an all encompassing like video game podcast. It talks about all sorts of stuff. And actually, oddly enough, one time they talked about bronies, <laughs> which is because <laughs> <All right. laughs> they're just like. They're just talking about hey, bronies. Like, what the like, what the hell does that even mean? They're like, yeah, it's guys that like these pony. Things. I liked Cupcakes HD <laughs> on YouTube. Look that up. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, that, that, that's a good one that I, I've been listening to for a little bit too. Um, another one I've listened to as well. It's called uh, Famicom Meijin e Nomichi. It's uh, it's kind of similar to the other one too, where it's not necessarily just about you know, Nintendo stuff. It's about just gaming in general. And uh, one interesting thing about this too, they kind of talk about like events that are going on in Tokyo as well. And like, I think like the, the host of this, unless I'm getting these two things confused, they talk about like different events that are going on, like in Tokyo, uh, kind of like gaming music stuff and all sorts of other stuff that's going on. And, um, you know, I'd gotten a response from Tim as well, uh, before I had had this, uh, before you know, we actually recorded this segment, and uh, another one that he pointed out to me as well is a, a Yakuza one that's available from Sega. It's a Sega produced show, uh, which I'll have linked up here. I have not had a chance to listen to at this point, and uh, also Capcom has a really good Monster Hunter one apparently as well, so that you can maybe check that out too. Uh, there's another one. It's some kind of like singer song gamer podcast. Uh, he, he says it's a fast paced. Uh, mostly monologue-driven show. It's better audio recording setup out there, right up there with Capcom's nice audio setup. Uh, so yeah, but like he, he he mentioned too, there's really nothing out of Japan in Japanese that's like Nintendo focused. And Minoru actually mentioned this in his email, uh, which I won't read the whole thing, but. Um, you know, uh, one interesting thing to note too, Minoru. Basically, the whole reason why he was put on site in at all is because he listened to Radio Free Nintendo and you know stuff like that, and that that's kind of like one of his ways that he had learned or like I guess enhanced his English is because listening to you know native speakers speaking about video games in English. So you know, if you're out there and you're studying some, if you're studying Japanese. And if you're at like a relatively medium to high level, I think this could be a good thing for you to do. Um, I mean, it's it's not easy. I've listened to some of these podcasts, like I said, the two that I've listened to. And one thing is kind of annoying because they're always playing music in the background. So it's kind of hard to catch everything sometimes because like the music's a little bit loud. But no, I think I think it's a really good idea to listen to something you know these guys just talking about stuff that you like and you know a different language a language that you're trying to learn so you guys should definitely give this stuff uh, you know check it out yeah uh of course uh, you may have heard of game center cx <laughs> it's kind of a big deal but yeah. 
you know, um, you know, depending on your Japanese level, you know, it could be very useful for you. Like, um, I mean, in Game Center CX, you can actually see the cool guy himself playing video games. You can see the situations he's in. You can see his facial reactions. And that sort of stuff is pretty useful for you uh, learning actual conversational Japanese, I think. Like, uh, if you you see what he's doing, you you know how he's expressing himself. No, no, absolutely. I, I, I agree. And, you know, what's kind of interesting, like on the Wii U in Japan, like there's actually like, you know, Game Center CX stuff that's exclusive to Wii U that's not available with subtitles. Yeah, dude. On YouTube. So, you know, I've been watching that stuff. It's 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 good for like learning stuff. And it's just kind of it's funny because I mean, it's just a funny ass show. So, I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, in that sense, yeah, Game Center CX is also an interesting tool for kind of learning the cultural differences in humor as well, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, Japanese humor really is something that's completely different from kind of what we're used to say in North America, for instance. So, you know, getting to watch that, getting to see Arino-san, um, mm-hmm. and kind of see, because, you know, he was originally a comedian, right? Yeah. So getting to see how he the humor, the humor dynamic between the Tsukomi and the Boke. Uh, Yo, are, context. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tsukomi and Bokeh, the uh, the kind of two different roles that that are really prevalent in Japanese humor. Uh, usually, a Bokeh is somebody that uh, will say something stupid, uh, or he's that's supposed to be the person that yeah isn't doesn't have it together or something. And then Tsukomi is basically just the one that tells them, "Wait, that's not right." And the, the, the dynamic and the humor there is literally just that the guy will say the the bokeh will say something stupid, and then when Tsukomi says, you know, points out that that's incorrect or something, that's when everybody laughs. I'll um, say the bokeh is like the story of my fucking life. So yeah, <laughs> yo, it's like Laurel and Hardy, <laughs> Danny Bivens being Danny Bivens. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. So no, Tim. Thank you so much for that question. I, I thought that was awesome, and I I'm pretty sure there's probably I hope more, more people out there wondering about this type of thing that are maybe studying Japanese and uh, curious. So I, I hope this is helpful to other people out there. And like I said, be sure to check out uh, you know NintendoWorldReport.com on the FamiCast article so that you can see links to these different podcasts so that you can uh, see all this stuff. I'll even try to link up some maybe some. Uh, interesting or funny uh game center cx stuff that you can you know uh check out as well so let me throw out that word again yo context (laughs) yeah so i think that's gonna go ahead and do it for the email so we're gonna go ahead and take one more short musical break and then we're gonna go ahead and close out the show So here we go with the closing part of the show. I'll go ahead and give you guys my Twitter handle. If you want to go ahead and follow me on Twitter, I'm at Danny Biv. It's D-A-N-N-Y-B-I-V. Um, yeah, so I talk about games and all sorts of stuff. Take pictures of food I eat because I have 
uh, no life. <laughs> Man, that's so Japanese. Yeah, something like that, right? So. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm still pretty American. I still post like I'm on drugs, <laughs> even yeah. though I'm not. Yeah, well, not that we know of. Yeah, no, like if I took drugs, I'd turn normal probably. <laughs> so, all right, uh, Matt, how about you, man? Yep, I'm at Gypsy Otoko, G-Y-P-S-Y-O-T-O-K-O. Cool, cool, cool. All right, and uh, Ty, how about you, man? Uh, okay, my Twitter name is SuperCatDrugs. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I posted anything interesting before my battery runs out. I'm sure you probably did. Let's see. Uh, yes. <laughs> K.I. is pretty much a dystopian parable about unregulated capitalism. I mean, Ultratech is pretty much... Lockheed Martin or Halliburton. Deregulate large corporations and they no doubt build, you know, killer cyborgs, reanimate skeletons, breed dinosaurs, create uh, magma supermen. You know, and, you know, it's just like, you know, the working class are going to pick up the tab, them and, like, you know, stranded aliens on Earth, whatever. <laughs> That, that's, a uh, that's pretty impressive, man. I, I'm surprised you're able to get that out in 140 characters. Or less, or no, that, that was over the course of three tweets. It's like a like a like a three part special, you know. Oh, okay, man. I thought maybe for a second there that you you know you had taken a class on shorthand or something. So. Yeah, yeah, that'd be crazy to even like remember what it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I mean, we also had Valentine's Day. I, tweeted about how my dad used to write all sorts of like crude phrases on you know those little those little candy hearts <laughs> that you know they say be mine or whatever and like he would like write on the other side like hog fucker or something Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ nothing more romantic yeah I mean I mean he used to it and you know actually I'm sure your mother he still does him. he still does hmm. nice <laughs> nice Nice. I'm sure. I'm sure your mother is just still just totally in love with that that exact. Yeah. That's that same man. It's the same man that. It's the same man that wooed me with hog fucker on my Valentine's. <laughs> oh God! I, I knew hope they Ty. are not listening. That's when, that's when I knew Ty. That's when I knew that he was the one. Is when I got a, a Valentine heart from him and it said hog fucker. Yeah. <laughs> You know, true story. Uh, <laughs> when my mom and my dad dad met, my dad was playing pinball. So, like, nice. Yeah, I I don't even think it was 1980 yet. So, <laughs> you know, that gaming it just runs in the family. Speaking of gaming, before we go ahead and close out the show, uh, before we go, we went ahead and actually recorded. Ty and I were actually catching up on the whole craze of uh, Twitch Plays Pokemon. Oh, yeah, so good. <laughs> Which is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, my God. Okay, so for you guys who have not seen it yet, you got to get in on this. Okay, so so um, there, I guess there's like, like a bot or something. Basically, like tens of thousands of Twitch viewers are controlling one Pokemon game. And it's kind of tilting back and forth between um, democracy and anarchy, <laughs> depending on how people vote, like, at any given time. So, like, anarchy, people are just mashing in commands, and and the, and the character is moving, like, up, down, left, right, start, select, B, A. 
And, like, if, if it tilts over towards democracy, it'll go, you know, towards democ- democracy. So, they're trying to trying to beat Pokemon. It was on Anarchy when we were watching it. It looked like a, <laughs> like a madman playing. It's ridiculous. God. And, you know, awesome. it was like a huge milestone when they caught a new Pokemon. Oh, yeah. We, Ty and I watched live as they caught their, tw- as they caught their 21st Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> they have seven badges. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Right? Yeah. And, you know, most of the time was spent, like, you know, walking back and forth in some, inside some random house. <laughs> you know, trying to get out with, like, all these trolls, like, mashing on the start button. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, it's fun. It's interesting. I'm very curious as to how it's going to end and if they're ever going to beat the Elite <laughs> Four. And I don't know, maybe they'll pursue a new game in the future after they finish Pokemon. We could only hope and pray. Yeah. So, cool. Well, I guess with that said, uh, we're going to go ahead and close up this month of the Famicast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, like I said, go ahead and check out. Uh, All the information we have on the site, all the links and stuff like that. If you have any questions, uh, go ahead and send us an email to famicast at nintendoworldreport.com. And, yeah, Ty, as always, man, thanks for coming on, dude. My pleasure. And, Matt, thanks for coming back, man. Hey, thanks to you guys, man. Awesome. And, yeah, so that's going to go ahead and do it for this month. So we're out of here, and we'll see you guys next month. Yeah. You can always tweet at us, too. Boom. Indeed. Holler. Later. Make I'm I'm we, okay. This is kind of weird, Matt. It's just kind of funny. <laughs> I have this broom sitting in between a cushion of my couch where I have taped to my PlayStation Four microphone. All right, to, <laughs> it's like a it's like a boom mic kind of. Oh, nice. All right, cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's how uh, Ty and I are recording on my superior tech. <laughs>